welcome to the Casey City Church Audio Podcast. We pray you enjoy this following sermon. Well, awesome. Thank you, team. Well, welcome to Sunday service, uh, Casey City Church. I'm glad you can join us today. I've got a, a special message. We're going to look at the authority that's been given to us in the name of Jesus Christ. Our core passage today is going to come from John chapter 16, from about verse 23 to about verse 27. Uh, We're going to go deep, uh, so get a pen, get a piece of paper, be prepared to write down some Bible references, go and look at these things yourself, Uh, be a self-feeder in the Word of God. We are instructed to do so. Uh, You should not wait to be spoon-fed by somebody. You should go and get it for yourself. There is a feast there to be had, and man, do we need it in these times that we live in. Well, I want to read the passage to you first. Uh, In John uh, chapter 16, verse 23, in that day, I'm reading in the New American Standard Bible, uh, by the way. Uh, In that day... You will not question me about anything. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive, so that your joy may be made full. Verse 25, these things I have spoken to you in figurative language. An hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but will tell you plainly of the Father. Verse 26, in that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will request of the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from the Father. So we're really going to unpack that today. And we'll get ready uh, to go deep. Let's just uh, pray first. Let's bow our heads, bow our hearts. Father, we thank you. We thank you uh, for, for the word today. We thank you that we get to gather together in your presence, that even though there's distance, uh, there is no distance in your Holy Spirit. There is no distance in the name of Jesus. And so we just declare a revelation, a fresh revelation of your word for us today in this generation. We receive it by faith in Jesus' name. And all together we said, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Karen. (laughs) Well, uh, Dr. Daniel Gilbert is a Harvard psychologist, and uh, he recently summed up, and I think quite beautifully, uh, the human situation in our fallen state. Human beings are works in progress that mistakenly think that they are finished. And he goes on to say, we harbor limiting beliefs about what we are capable of. And while that is true, and I do believe it sums up um, the the broken humanity around the world, our broken state, we constantly uh, have limiting beliefs about ourselves. And while, of course, psychology and counseling and psychiatry can offer some assistance in changing those things for the believer, for those who believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God sent to earth to die in our place, to pay for our sins, that he was raised back to life again, and that today he's seated at the right hand of the Father, and that when he was seated there, he asked the Father to send the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit who is with us here today in the earth in the body of Christ, which is the body of believers. It's not about denominations. It's about those who have believed. 
there's a difference for us. Yes, we have limiting beliefs, and I want to address some of those today. Uh, Hopefully, we'll address it in such a way that it radically changes your faith life if you're a believer. Uh, If you're not a believer, I, I encourage you to listen well today. Pay close attention to what I'm saying. I also encourage you to sit and listen for another voice coming through this message. The person of the Holy Spirit is right there with you in the room when you're watching this. He's right there with you. He's alongside you. And he may be convicting you of some of the wrong things you've done. He may be speaking to you words of hope, words of healing. But I encourage you to listen for that other voice as well. He invites you. God invites you into a personal and intimate relationship with him. And he doesn't want to leave you the way that he found you. Well, for those of us who are in Christ, we too do harbor limiting beliefs about ourselves, and it limits our faith walk. It limits what the body of Christ, the church, the ecclesia actually does in the earth. Um, I've been so disappointed at many news stories that are currently in the news cycle about this Christian leader and that Christian leader, some with major profiles. I just want to encourage you that as you're listening today, that we do not put our faith and trust in men. And as a matter of fact, the words that men say and the actions that they do, uh, we're encouraged as believers to actually test what they say, to go away and look at scripture. Does that line up with scripture? Do their actions line up with scripture? We're encouraged to do that. We should never put our faith and trust in a man. Our faith is in Christ alone. So let your faith go there. Well, as, uh, as Dr. Gilbert describes it so well, we are human beings, our works in progress, and sometimes we mistakenly believe that we're finished. But for those of us who are in Christ, there is a radical transformation that is taking place and it is unfolding. We are on a trajectory that scripture says we are coming up into the fullness of the image of Christ Jesus. That's what we're on. That's our trajectory. We're heading in that direction. We're in the here and now, and many of us are at different points along that trajectory. But God, uh, in his love and in his compassion and in his kindness and his mercy, is leading us and drawing us to himself. He's reshaping our behaviors, our attitudes, and our thoughts. And today we want to talk about how God, in this generation, is reshaping the way that we believe, the way that we use the name of Jesus Christ, and the way that we wield the authority that's been given to us. And that is not just any authority. It's authority to bring down the very power of heaven, to bring it down into situations and circumstances, whether they be our own or for someone else. So there is a radical transformation, and I want to remove the limits from your beliefs today. What we read in the Gospel of John chapter 16, verse 23 to 27. That is our our prime passage today. But let's go to verse 23, where Jesus says to the disciples, truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. You see a complete spiritual, almost electrical circuit 
right there. You know, electrical circuits, you walk into a room, there's power coming from the power company, it travels through the power lines all the way to your house, it comes into your house from the road, goes through the meter box and through the switchboard, goes all the way to that light switch. Now that light switch is connected to the light bulb on your ceiling and you, by an act of your will, have authority to go over and flip the switch and turn the light on. You don't produce the energy, you don't produce the means by which the energy gets to the switch, you simply connect the circuit. You have authority to connect the circuit. The power comes from somewhere else. What Jesus is saying here is I'm giving you authority in my name. There is authority in the name of Jesus that is meant to flow and complete the circuit from the power of heaven from the power which comes from the Father. Another word for Father in Hebrew is the word source, to come from the source of all life, to come from the source of all life and flow into dead situations and circumstances. We have authority to flip the switch. We are not the power. We have authority in Jesus' name. We're gonna focus on this today. But this can be difficult and challenging. You know, even as I read that verse, truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Sometimes that's a difficult and challenging verse. There are times where we feel like we kind of pray. We feel like we use the name. We're kind of like, I think I got it right. But nothing seems to have happened. What is it that has happened? So we're going to adjust some of that today. We're going to bring some light into that area, and you're going to be solid and clear today on, on how this actually works and what you do. Well, one of the things we need to understand and why it's difficult and challenging at times is because we, we really live between two kingdoms. We live in the kingdom of heaven. When you're born again and the Holy Spirit comes on the inside of you, Jesus takes a residence within your heart and the throne of your heart. You are born again, transformed, and you become a new creation in Christ Jesus. You become a citizen of heaven. You become a citizen of the kingdom of God, God's dominion, God's domain. Now, we live in a fallen world, and there is a ruler of this world, that we're currently occupying, that we're currently living and moving in. There's a ruler of this world, and he is Satan. He is a fallen angel. He has angels that fell with him. There are demons that work with him. They are the rulers, principalities, and powers that rule in this earth at this moment. So we're on hostile territory with the authority of the name of Jesus, and Scripture tells us that we're literally ambassadors. Ambassadors have diplomatic immunity. You're going to kind of see that play out as we look at things today. So in Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, we see that uh, the devil had uh, an opportunity to tempt Jesus. And he, Jesus went out into the wilderness led by the Holy Spirit. And in one of these temptations, one of these three is where Satan says to him, takes him up onto a high mountain and showed him the kingdoms of the world. So that's Matthew 4 uh, verse 8. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you'll fall down and worship me. You see, Satan knew that Jesus was coming to take possession of what was rightfully his, what Satan had usurped from Adam. And 
He knew that Jesus was coming to take it back. He said, look, I'll give it to you. All you got to do is bow down and worship me. You can work for me and complete your mission in that way. Well, this was no temptation at all for Jesus. You can contrast that with Revelation chapter 11, verse 15, where we actually see the kingdoms of this earth, the ones that Satan currently rules in this earth, those kingdoms becoming the possession of Jesus Christ. It says, the kingdom of the world, this is, sorry, Revelation 11, verse 15, then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever ever and ever. That was the appointed day, the day that, that the Father, in accordance with his will, had appointed, and it is a yet coming day. It is yet coming, but Satan knows it's coming. Scripture says Satan roars around like a roaring lion, roams around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's a toothless tiger, but to those who don't know that, uh, he is a terror and a fearsome opponent. But we've been given authority in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, let's, let's unpack uh, another verse. In John chapter 8, um, Jesus says, and this is a famous verse, uh, so if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Often quoted verse. But there are some additional things around this that are happening that Jesus is talking about that are important for us to take a look at because we can glean a few things from them. Remember, we are between these two kingdoms. It's a tale of two kingdoms. Uh, the, the message of salvation happens within, within a tale of two kingdoms, the kingdom of heaven and then the kingdom of this earth, the fallen kingdoms which Satan rules over. So let's look at a few of those others. Uh, in John chapter 8, uh, verse uh, 34, uh, Jesus says uh, to the Pharisees, the religious leaders of his time, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. Verse 35, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever, speaking of himself. He's referring to them as slaves, that they're temporary, and he refers to himself as the son who's going to remain forever. Verse 36, so if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. He who reigns and rules forever and serves in his Father's house forever, if he makes you free, you are free indeed. That's how that works. Some religious leader, someone who's a pretender and a faker can't make you free. But Jesus can make you free. Verse 37, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, obviously speaking to the Pharisees, yet you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. Verse 38, I speak the things which I have seen with my father, therefore you also do the things which you heard from your father. It's not only a tale of two kingdoms and two authority structures. It's a tale of two fathers. Jesus and his relationship with his heavenly father. Remember, source, the source of all power. Jesus with all authority given to him by the father who has the source, who is the source of all power. That's what we're talking about when we talk about the kingdom of heaven. When we're talking about this fallen world, Lucifer is the father of many. And the way that he binds them to himself, those who follow him, those who serve him, even those who he uses unwittingly, the way he binds them to him is through slavery, 
He enslaves them to sins. How easily are we predisposed to so many sins? So many times we just get it wrong. We miss the mark. We mess things up. We hurt people. We hurt ourselves. We disappoint ourselves. We feel shame. All of those things. The kingdom of heaven, the authority in the name of Jesus, given to him by the Father, the source of all power. And then Satan, this fallen angel, the ruler of this world who enslaves people to him through deception and through sin, binding them through sin, the shackles of sin. When we get to Acts uh, chapter 5, we see that this world, Satan has wired this world. And it was very early on uh, after Jesus ascended and the Holy Spirit came down on the day of Pentecost and the believers were hit with the Holy Spirit. You had Father and Son in heaven and then you had the Holy Spirit sent down with them on the inside of them, upon them, going before them, preparing a way before them. And they were moving in the authority of the name of Jesus Christ that was given to them. And they were going out and demons were being cast out and people were being healed and circumstances were being changed. There were many demonstrations of signs and wonders, but the first thing that happened is they declared the name of Jesus Christ to people, the authority and the divinity of the person of Jesus Christ to people. And all those signs and wonders followed on after that. It was very early on, as soon as Satan saw that all of that authority that Jesus had, he's handed it off to these guys, and now there's so many of them, and look at them, it's not just one Jesus, it's this one, and that one, and that one, and that one, and they're multiplying, and they're making more. He instantly took his minions, his slaves within the world, and he tried to use them to get the disciples and the believers to stop using the name of Jesus. We see it in Acts chapter five. The authority in the name of Jesus is a prime target for Satan and his minions and the demons. They hate that name. They dread the power that the name brings. Acts chapter 5, verses 40 to 42. Just read them real quick. They took his advice, and after calling the apostles in, they flogged them. These are the leaders of the temple. Flogged them and ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and then released them. And so the disciples went out on their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. We're going to have to get used to that because there's more suffering for us to do. But how much more glorious is it going to be? Verse 42, and every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. That's the message. That's our mission. That's what we need to do. We need to preach Jesus as the Christ. Amen. We've got authority in that name. There is burden removing, yoke destroying power from God in that name and that name alone. No other name has it. It's no wonder that the world uses the name of Jesus as a swear word. They don't use Muhammad or Buddha or, or Shiva. They don't use any of those names as a swear word, only the name of Jesus Christ. Why is that? Well, it's the exact same reason that the rulers of the temple who were enslaved to their father, lowercase f, Satan, Lucifer, they were enslaved to him through their sins, through the hardness of their heart. They were instructed by their father to attack the authority of that word, attack that word. They've got to quit using that word Truly, that's the only hope that our enemy actually has, is if we quit using that name. 
If we quit bringing down the power from heaven, if we quit drawing down the kingdom of heaven into every situation and every circumstance that we face, the enemy hates it. They dread it. That's their only hope. <laughs> so if we can forget that we have authority in the name of Jesus, or we can, for political correctness sake, feel like we need to be silenced. Let's not use that name. I've heard of religious leaders going into secular circumstances and situations and praying prayers that don't even involve the name of Jesus. Remarkable. Remarkable. We need to check our motivation. We need to make sure that we're serving our Heavenly Father, capital F, the source of all power. And we need to declare the name of Jesus Christ in every situation. We are told to ask the Father in Jesus' name. Not ask the Father in some amorphous, big question mark, blank space name so we don't offend people. The gospel is offensive to this world. Satan has seen to it. Matthew chapter 18, verse 18, and also Matthew 16, 19. Write these two down. Go and look them up. Matthew 18, 18, and Matthew 16, 19. It's where Jesus says to them, truly I say to you, whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Matthew 16 says the exact same thing, but a little bit differently. Jesus said, I give to you the kingdom, the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Oh, check it out. The keys to the kingdom of heaven. And then he goes on to say, what you bind in earth will be bound in heaven. What you loose in earth will be loosed in heaven. You know where it says, shall be bound and shall be loosed. In the Greek, these are in the perfect passive tense. What that means, it is something that was accomplished in the past with the result being that it's still working in the present. Catch that. This was achieved. The binding and the loosing was achieved in the past and still brings results, the same results in the presence. It keeps on working right now in our present. What we bind and what we loose. Oh, hallelujah. God's got us in this earth for a reason. We have some binding and some loosing to do. Things that are bound in heaven, things that are loosed in heaven. In other words, things that were tied up, people were bound, things that were hindrances have been removed. There is no hindrance in heaven. There is no hindrance in heaven. And the things that are there that were against God are neutralized and no longer have any power. They are bound. And we are to bring that achievement, that accomplishment, that pinnacle achievement, we're to bring it into every situation. What we bind, what we lose in this earth. Oh, such authority. No wonder Satan wants us to shut up about the name of Jesus. There's authority, there's power in that name. And my dad passed away recently, not that long ago. And you know what? He had a living will. While he was still with it and still had things right, he and my mom, they went to their attorney and uh, they sat down with him. And dad set up a power of attorney, a living will, so that if he became incapacitated, 
and he wasn't capable of making decisions for himself that his will would be known. It would have been stated by him. It would have been recorded so that it couldn't be challenged by anybody and anyone who held that power of eternity, that power of authority, that power of attorney could walk into any situation and execute not their will, but his will in that situation. Well, my dad found himself in that situation. And my mother had the authority, his authority. He had given it to her. He had granted it to her. It was written and nobody could challenge it. And in that moment, when a decision needed to be made, what do you want to do? We knew clearly what his will was. It was stated, we knew it, and we honored him. We honored him by executing his will and not our own in that moment. And I'm glad to say he's graduated. He's gone home. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's reconciled today with, with uh, his brothers and, and sister and even his father, who was abusive and an alcoholic. And he's reconciled evenly with him. What a good thing. What hope we have in the name of Jesus. What hope we have, hallelujah, hallelujah. If all we have to hope for is what we see in this life, how miserable are we? How hopeless are we? But there is such hope in Christ Jesus. All authority is in that name, all authority. In John chapter five, verse 19, we see, that Jesus wasn't doing anything on his own initiative. Just like we knew my father's will, we knew what it was, and we acted in accordance with it. We let his will rule out over our own in that moment. Jesus was exactly the same with his father. He knew his father's will. John 5, verse 19 says, Therefore Jesus answered and was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, these things the son will also do in like manner. What's he saying there? I watch and I listen and I spend time with my father. I am intimate with my father. We have an intimate relationship. And what I see him do is all that I do. What I hear him say is all that I say. Jesus was getting day by day, moment by moment, instructions from his heavenly father so that he knew his will, so that he could execute it in that moment and in that situation. It came from this intimate place with his heavenly father, this, this divine obedience. We are invited into a divine obedience through the name of Jesus Christ. A divine obedience, not to our own will or the will of a pastor or the will of a church or some organization or even some celebrity Christian. We're invited into encountering the will of our heavenly father, capital F, the source of all things, the power and the kingdom, where the, uh, the power for the kingdom resides and comes from. We're invited into that will. And it's through obedience that we get there. In that intimacy, the father revealed his will to Jesus personally. And Jesus went and executed. But the question we have to ask today, we're here in this earth, we're between these two kingdoms. We represent the kingdom of heaven if you're a believer. And we're walking around in the kingdom of darkness. 
that Satan rules over for a time. And we've got authority in the name of Jesus and we can draw down the power of heaven at any time, in any circumstance, in any situation in alignment with the will of the Father. But which Father are you being intimate with? If you're still spending your time in sin and you're not getting that right and you're keeping it hidden, you may be a Christian, but you're a carnal Christian. You are a Christian who, who, who is kind of not cut off, but you're not going to be flipping any switches anytime soon. You're not going to flip that switch I was talking about earlier. You're going to have difficulty doing that because you are bound to a different father, lowercase f. You need to repent of your sin. You need to turn to the Father and ask him to forgive you, and he's faithful and just to forgive you. That's your out. That's how you fix that, and you can do it right now just like that because of the power and authority that's in the name of Jesus. Oh, you can switch that right now, and I'd encourage you to do it. Even if I've, as I've said this, if there's something, get it right. You can. Believer, you can get it right. Get it right. Go get it right because we need you. We need you to be able to flip the switch in any moment. Wherever it is that God would lead you to go, whatever his will for your life is, wherever it is that you find yourself, the footsteps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord, wherever it is that God would lead you in this life, you need, we need, heaven needs you to be able to draw down the power of heaven because of the authority that's in the name of Jesus. But you can't do that properly if you're bound to Lucifer. You are his slave through sin. You can't do that. It's just not going to work. It's going to be difficult. And you may perform a false miracle, a false sign, a false wonder. Cults are created in this way. Mm. Get it right. Get it right, believer. Just going to kind of move on a little bit here. Just mindful of time. So John chapter 8, verse 38. I just want to emphasize this verse. I speak the things which I have seen with my father. Therefore, you also do the things which you heard from your father. He's comparing and contrasting these two fathers. We need to be connected to our uppercase F father. Hallelujah. It's the intimacy with our heavenly father where we become familiar with his will. We become familiar with his will for our lives and for the lives of others. That source of all things, including a correct and right will. But the world has a different will. Satan has a different will for you. He wants to kill you, destroy you, and use you to kill and destroy others. We're seeing so much of it today. Sadly, we're seeing it within the institutions of Christianity so sad to see. But I believe our Heavenly Father, capital F, is cleaning house. Where Satan, the lowercase f father of this world, is attacking Christianity and the institutions of Christianity. Ultimately, he's attacking the name of Jesus Christ. It's his only focus, the authority that's in that name. He's got to neutralize that in the mind and the thinking of the world. So he wants to soil it and throw mud at it. And sadly, many people who should have been using the name and authority and walking in a right relationship with God have been walking around in hidden sins that are now known. I believe our Heavenly Father is cleaning house. Do you have some things that your Heavenly Father really wants to clean house with you about? Christian, I encourage you to get it right. It's time for you to get it right. 
It's time. Times are serious. The world's getting darker. But we can shine all the brighter because of what's being given to us, because of the glory that is invested in the name of Jesus, glory that goes to our Father in heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just going to keep on moving a little bit. Don't want to drag this out too long. Let's talk about the authority. Jesus uh, went to the cross. He was crucified, uh, dead, buried three days, resurrected on the third day. He rose again. And from that moment on, Jesus never performed any more miracles. We don't see him performing any more miracles, uh, anything. We don't see that happening. So there are no public displays of miracles by Jesus. The disciples encountered him. There were some amazing moments, some radical moments that really woke them up to, hey, wow, yeah, if there was any doubt about his divinity, boom, here it is. They had some of those moments. But there were no outward public miracles performed by Jesus after the resurrection. Jesus had told them to go to Jerusalem, and we see this in Acts chapter 1, for them not to go to Jerusalem, to stay in Jerusalem. I'm going to read Acts chapter 1, verses 4 to 8. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father, capital F, had promised, which he said, you heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 6, so when they had come together, so when they had obeyed him, they were asking him saying, Lord, is it at this time that you're restoring the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the epochs which the father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power. The Greek word there is exousia. It is authority. You will receive authority, authority backed by power. Exousia, authority backed by power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. I'm sitting here in Australia recording this. You can't get more remote from Jerusalem than where I'm sitting in Melbourne, Australia. But you will receive exousia power. Authority backed by power. Authority in the name of Jesus backed by the very power of heaven. And then it's after that. After that power came down in Acts chapter 2, we really begin to see some radical things change. But before we look at that, these disciples got a taste 70 of Jesus' disciples, while he, before the crucifixion, while they, he was still walking around performing public miracles, they themselves got a taste of the power that was backing the authority that was in the name of Jesus. We see it in Luke chapter 10, verses 16 and 19. The one who listens to you listens to me, he said to the disciples. And the one who rejects you rejects me. What's going on here? He's saying, hey, you are my representative. You're my ambassador. I'm making you ambassadors. And he who rejects me rejects the one who sent me. Who sent Jesus? It was the Father who sent Jesus. Verse 17, the 70 returned with joy, saying, after they had been sent out, 
They returned with joy and they sent, said to the Lord, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. These guys were amazed. Even the demons, they're rejoicing. Like even the demons, high five. Did you see that demon? Did you see that person set free? All I did was speak the name of Jesus and that person was set free. That person was healed. And Jesus said to them, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. We can go to Ezekiel and Isaiah and see that. Verse 19, behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. We'll come back to that. And over all the power of the enemy and nothing will injure you. The authority that's in the name of Jesus is meant to be used by us to win out over all the power of the enemy. Our enemy is powerless if we're walking in right relationship with God and using the authority that's in the name of Jesus, all the power of heaven backs up what it is that we say, what it is that we do, wherever it is that we go. But he says, you will tread on serpents and scorpions. Look, you're gonna tread on, on, on uh, major, major demons and fallen angels, and you're also gonna tread on these little demons that there are so many of around the world causing havoc. You're gonna tread on the authority of even the rulers of this darkness, those behind the scenes uh, spiritually beyond the visual veil who are operating in governments around the world, you're even going to tread on them. Such authority had been given to them. You know, it is a power that can only be wielded by, by those who are born again and spirit-filled. We see the sons of Sceva in the books of Acts. They were a bunch of charlatans who were going around and performing incantations and things like that, making big money. And uh, they tried to use the name of Jesus. They'd heard about this name. Hey, let's try that name. Let's add that to our list, our menu of options for people. And they walked into a demonic possession and they began to use that name. And the demon was a major demon that was behind it. It was, it was not just a scorpion. It was a serpent that was behind it and said, I know all of the other people that use that name, but I don't know you. I don't know you. You know what Jesus had said to the disciples when they were so excited in Luke 10 and they came back. He spoke to them, but he goes on to say that, look, don't rejoice that they obey your name that they obey the name of Jesus, that they obey my name. Don't rejoice in that. Rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. The reason the sons of Sceva couldn't do it is because their names were not recorded, recorded in heaven. But those who have given their life to Jesus, their names are recorded in heaven. When we use the authority that's in that name, we have diplomatic immunity and we have diplomatic authority and power in this world. We represent the kingdom of heaven and we bring the will of our heavenly father into situations and circumstances that we face. And all the power of heaven backs it up. We are ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we are ambassadors who carry a message. What is the message of our kingdom? Well, it's that Jesus Christ is Lord. We declare the name of Jesus Christ, and we see things happen in that name. Many people you know, will ask, you know, I tried to pray or tried to do this and, and whatnot. You know, one of the things that, that we need to recognize is that this power isn't for us to necessarily show off or to lavish things on ourselves. This power is 
actually to achieve God's will. And God's will is that the word would go out, the good news, the gospel would go out. We need to make sure our hands and our feet are going out and carrying the message of the gospel. This power and authority are backing up and certifying, if you will, the, the message it is that we bring. It's like our stamped passport, our diplomatic passport. It's like we, we can bring that, but we've got to be doing, we've got to be on mission with, with the will of our heavenly father. Well, the first actual miracle that we see performed uh, after the resurrection, after the day of Pentecost was not performed by Jesus, uh, but was performed by Peter and John. It's in Acts chapter three, verses four to eight. But Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, look at us. And he began to give them his attention. This was the man at the gate, beautiful. So he was, uh, uh, he was um, paralyzed, crippled, and uh, he was sitting there at the gate, beautiful, and he was begging. And he had his hands out to receive whatever it is that they would give. And Peter says, look at us. And he began to give his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk and seizing him by the right hand. Peter placed something in his right hand. He placed it. He completed the circuit. He flipped the switch. He placed it in his right hand and he raised him up and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. And with a leap, he stood upright and began to walk and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. That is a really good example of completing that circuit. The power of heaven healed him. It was the authority that was in the name of Jesus. And it was disciples, follower of Jesus, followers of Jesus who were willing to go over to a place of darkness and flip the switch, connecting the circuit and completing it. They were doing it in accordance with God's will. They were walking into the temple to do what? to teach, to preach, to declare the name of Jesus. They were on point with God's mission. And what did this man do when he was healed? He didn't run off home. He didn't run off to the shop. He didn't go off to the pub. He followed them. When we pray for people and we see miracles happen in their lives and the power of heaven touches them because of the power that's in the name of Jesus, we need to lead them to church. We need to lead them into fellowship so that they can learn and grow and be discipled as well. We need to do that too. We need to be committed on the front end, in the middle, and on the back end as well. We need to follow it up. Hallelujah. We need to do that, and we need to do that now in this generation. You can go on and you can look at Philip in Samaria in Acts chapter 8. You know, persecution began to rise because of the, the name of Jesus. Again, Satan's targeting the name of Jesus. Uh, persecution began to rise. Philip went to Samaria and in Acts chapter 8 verses 5 to 7. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and began proclaiming Christ to them. He's on point with God's mission. The crowds with one accord were giving attention to what was said by Philip as they heard and saw the signs which he was performing. For in the case of many who'd been un, who had had unclean spirits, they were coming out of them and shouting with a loud voice. And many who'd been paralyzed and lame were healed. Wherever it is that we go, we've got the power and the authority of all of heaven behind us in the name of Jesus. A key thing for us to focus on, and I want to draw us really to a place of intimacy, personal intimacy with God, 
In Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, the Apostle Paul reveals to us that whatever you do in word, whatever you say, uh, or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So this is really important for us to look at. Paul is actually talking about us getting our heart right. Because it is out of our heart that we speak. It is out of our heart that our actions come. It is out of our heart that all the issues of life flow forth. When our heart is right with our heavenly Father, then whatever we say or whatever we actually do will be in the name of Jesus. But we've got to get it right in our heart. We need to form. It's a real heart flow that where our heart and the sanctity of our heart, the purification of our heart that comes from that intimate time with God, it's developed there. It's grown there. Jesus would constantly pull away from the crowds and the disciples and go away by himself, but he wasn't alone. He went to spend time with his heavenly father to see him, to hear him. Oh, we need to spend time doing that. We need to go and spend time just quietly. And just sit with the word of God. Just sit and listen to what the Holy Spirit, God through the Holy Spirit would say to our hearts and speak to us. Always words of, about identity and who we are in Christ Jesus. It's very important for us to really begin to do that. But it's important for us to begin that process in the secret place. In a private and intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father that's been provided through Jesus Christ. Scripture says that the Father sees what is done in secret and then he rewards openly. When we go and we seek him with all of our heart in private to be intimate with him, to see him, to hear him, to know him, to become acquainted with his will, and then we go and we execute his will out in this fallen world that is ruled over by this lowercase f father. When we go and we actually do that, our heavenly father rewards us openly with signs and wonders and miracles. These are the things that he does in his sovereignty we as his ambassadors, we take the name of Jesus Christ and we go in accordance with his will. But don't forget, you're going to become acquainted with his will, familiar with it in his word and in his presence. It is an intimate thing. What we see Jesus do, we need to do. Hallelujah. He's the firstborn amongst many brethren and we need to follow in big brother's footsteps. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. In chapter 6, we see, you know, the, um, our Father, the, the Lord's prayer, the prayer that the Lord instructed the disciples, hey, here's an outline of how you pray. Here are the things that you cover. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. As we forgive those who trespass against us, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And we pray we do that in the name of Jesus, giving glory to the Father in the name of Jesus Christ through Jesus. When we do that, we really are in proper alignment. Yeah, it's an outline, but you can pray it. I remember when I first got saved, I didn't even own a Bible, never set foot in a church, got saved by myself. I'd be driving along and I'd be talking to God. And the next thing I knew, I get the phrase, our father. And I would spend a 20 hour 
a 20-minute ride to the university just dwelling on our father. He's my father. He's my father. Wow, he's my father. You know, it's just, there's a revelation there. Go and look at the Our Father. Don't let it be something that you just habitually pray by rote. Let it be an outline that draws you into a deeper revelation of what I've been talking about today. The Father is the source of all power. All authority has been given by him to Jesus Christ. Jesus has given us his name, the name of Jesus Christ, and we have authority in this earth, authority to go and flip the switch, complete the circuit, and draw down the kingdom of heaven into every situation and circumstance that is currently ruled by the kingdom of darkness in this earth today. Draw you to Matthew 10, 610. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that binding, that loosing, it's already been bound, it's already been loosed. It affects every present moment that you find yourself in. And start to wrap up, I'll leave you with Proverbs 16, verse three. There's a critical verse here. This is where we get uh, the verse that, uh, the passage that um, preparation of the heart is of the Lord. Preparation of the heart of a believer is of the Lord. Obviously, that happens in that intimate time with God. But verse 3 says, commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. Not sure what to do with your life. Not sure what God has called you to do. Your first step is committing your works, everything that you do to the Lord. Do it because you've spent time in that intimate, quiet place with God because you've spent time in his word to learn and to know and become familiar with his will and then take the name of Jesus and go out and do the will of the Father in every situation. I'll never go to the places God's gonna lead you to go. I'll never be there most likely, but you will. And God's got a mission for you. He's got a purpose for you. We need you. The body of believers in the earth, those who've been born again, need you in this generation. And I'll close with this, Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 to 11. For this reason also, God highly exalted him, Jesus, and bestowed, bestowed on him the name which is above every name, with the result being that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven, and on the earth, and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Every knee has not bowed yet. Every tongue has not confessed yet. That is still a yet-to-come present moment, but it's going to happen. It is already being sealed. The deal is done. If you've never asked Jesus into your heart, if you have never given your life to Jesus, it's really simple. I would describe it as the ABCs of salvation. That you repent of your sins, that you ask God to forgive you for the things that you know that you've done, that you've done wrong, you've hurt others. You're never gonna be able to list it all. But you ask God to forgive you. He knows it all. You don't have to list it. You just confess it. Confess your sin to him. Admit that you are fallen and in need of a Savior. And then 
believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God sent from the Father to us, Emmanuel, God with us, that he came, that he lived a spotless and blameless life without sinning, that he went to the cross willingly. Scripture says that nobody crucified Christ, that he went there willingly. Of course, the Romans did. Of course, the crowds were there. But Jesus went there willingly. If he had not used his will to actually go and do it, if he had not known that it was the will of the Father that he would do this for us, he wouldn't have done it. Jesus went willingly. He said, I have authority to lay down my life. I have authority to take it up. Nobody imposed that on him. This was an agreement between father and son, and it wiped away our sins. Those sins that you've repented of are forgiven in the name of Jesus. So you recognize your need for a Savior. You repent of your sins. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ in his death, burial, and his resurrection. And you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Declare before others the name of Jesus Christ. Well, I hope that's blessed you today. Thanks for listening. I want to just go back to uh, where we started, our core passage today in John chapter 16. Verse 26, in that day, you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will request of the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from the Father. Jesus is saying, I'm not going to be your intermediary. You're not going to pray to me. You're going to pray to the Father, and he's going to answer you for the very same reason he answered me, because he loves you. And he loves you because you've loved me, loved Jesus, and have believed that Jesus came forth from the Father. That's what you do to qualify to use the authority that's in the name of Jesus Christ. And let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the authority that is in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you that the power of heaven itself uh, comes into every circumstance and every situation in that name. I just pray for those who've been listening today that you would help them to get it right. Where they've been enslaved to sin, I pray that you set them free. For those who have only first believed today, who have just first experienced that love just right now, I ask that you just pour out your Holy Spirit upon them as you're listening. Just say, I receive the Holy Spirit, all of it. Receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit right now in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you. We give you praise. We ask for you to use our lives for the glory of the name of Jesus Christ. We give all the glory to you in Jesus' name. Amen. 